more than in most seasons. the context in which we find ourselves should remind us of our king who sits in heaven and who is active in the affairs of human beings. And because of that, we, by God's grace, are able to, as Paul told Timothy, keep our heads in the midst of turmoil and even in the midst of Seasons where we find ourselves in the position that we would like to be in or that we would prefer to be in because our ultimate hope is not here and our ultimate trust is not in the things that govern this world from a human perspective, but it is in our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. I know JP prayed to close us out, but I'd just like to begin by praying. Lord, thank you for this day which you have made. Thank you for this opportunity to speak your word. Thank you for your word. Uh, (laughs) We speak your word because your word speaks. And so we pray that you, through your word, would speak to us all. Lord, this morning we do not, we have not gathered to evaluate your word, but we have gathered so that your word can evaluate us, so that yes, your word can cut us, but so that your word can also be a healing balm to us by your spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that, you know, those things are not things that human beings can do. Um, And so I pray that you would please Uh, do so today. I pray that uh, you would use me. I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase. I pray also, Lord, that if there's anything that's said uh, now that is not according to your word, that is not accurate, Lord, I pray that those things will be forgotten. But I do pray that you would impress your truth on all of us because we all need your truth starting with me. So, Lord, I pray that you would have your way, and I pray that you would do the things that only you can do. I pray this in Jesus' name, and I thank you and have faith that you would do it. I do pray that you would please uh, get let there be coherence and the stamina needed to communicate as is appropriate to this message. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, before I get into uh, the message, I cannot let this moment pass without thanking you for uh, those of you who wish me a happy birthday yesterday. Um, So I'm beginning that, well, I'm into the 52nd chapter of my life, and that is a blessing uh, to have come, you know, this far because I know that my life has been sustained by the Lord even when I jeopardized it myself. And so I'm very grateful for that, and I just want to let you know that... um, I felt and reciprocate the love. So thank you very much. And uh, my Facebook timeline was so crowded, I couldn't say thank you to everyone. So if you see me and that's you, if you hear me talking now, thank you so much. Um, That either means you're popular, you're loved, or you're getting old. So um, so I don't know which one, but the Lord knows. 
and I'm not worrying about which one. Somebody that's here said it's all of them, so um, that's that's appropriate. So uh, also today I want to uh, wish uh, Jana uh, and Aaron Aaron Herbert um, happy birthday. Um, so Jana Hodges Cluck and Aaron Herbert happy birthday to you all. And uh, now we're going to let me tell you what we're going to do today. So we're going to be looking at a passage that we're going to use as Again, as a case study for how we should love, we're going to look at, we're going to review briefly the importance of love. We're going to look at the difficulty of love, and then we're going to look at how we repent to love. How we repent to love. So, the importance of love, the difficulty of love, and repent to love. Those are going to be the three points as we look at Revelation chapter 2. Verses 1 through 7. Um, now, the book of Revelation is not about love. That's not what, it, what it's about. Um, but Revelation is an interesting book because even within the book, there are letters to specific churches um, that speak to that church but also speak to us. And so we're going to look at one of those letters to the church at Ephesus to see how we can embrace the call to love and hopefully Develop a plan for love. So I'll just let you know. Uh, I'll just let you know that I've found it to be something uh, a helpful um, practice. I'm, I'm learning that it is a helpful practice to help myself with structure, and I think sometimes structure can be missing. So when when we get to repent to love, we're going to be looking at uh, ways in which we can kind of structure things so that we we are more apt and prone to love than to be unloving. So this letter within the book of Revelation is to the church of Ephesus beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, write to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Thus says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardship for the sake of my name, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet you do have this. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Let anyone who hears, excuse me, who has ears to hear, listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. The church at Ephesus 
The Lord himself is speaking to them, writing to them. He's the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. He's the one who walks among the golden lampstands. And he knows all that is going on because he is present. Among all of the accolades that the Lord mentions to the church at Ephesus, he has one thing against them. In verse 4, that they abandoned, they have abandoned the love that they had at first. Now, we know that, that love is, is, is included in the two greatest commandments. The first, that we love the Lord our God with everything and that we love our neighbor as ourselves. So love, we know, is important. We've already heard from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 how important love is. You can do all kinds of things that make you look like a believer, but if you don't have love, they don't mean anything at all. And not just you. When I say you, I mean we. So we can, we can have all of these things that, that can be commended. But if we lack love, we have already heard that we lack anything of import to the Lord in terms of our ultimate destination. Because First John lets us know that if we do not love, that we are not of God. So the fact that love is important cannot be overstated. And it, it cannot be overstated also in this passage because there are so many things that, be, that can be commendable, that, that are commendable about the church in Ephesus. And this one thing that would cause the Lord to, to remove the lampstand from his place is not having love. And the Lord even, so he says it at the end of uh, 5b he says that in 5b and then he says in 6 he, he, so he says everything that, they, that, 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 that commends them he lets them know who he is he says what commends them he tells them what's against them and then he even remembers that oh you, you know what there's one more thing you hate the practices of the Nicolaitans which was a, a sect that, uh, that was, which was a heretic sect a heretic sect Sometimes that, you know, lack, lazy enunciation comes up, which he also hates. But the church and anyone who hears what he said to the church needs to have ears to hear what he's saying. And they have to, 7B, they have to conquer their lovelessness to receive the reward that he secured for those who are his. So love is very important, and it's important in contrast to the fact that this love is something that is lacking, even though all of these other characteristics are there. And I think, I don't know about you, but this series has, has challenged me in some ways, in some, some very uncomfortable ways. And, 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 and I think that these, this discomfort points to the difficulty of love. 
because there are so many things that can be commended. There may be things that, that may be commendable about my life. So people could say certain things on my timeline that, that, that really encourage me or send me texts that encourage me about like how my life is. But then I also have been in remembrance as a result of, of measuring my life against God's word and God's call for me to be a, a loving individual and say, you know what? According to this passage right here, I could have all of that, but if I do not have the love that I had at first, the love that I abandoned, the love that was like, you know what, whatever Jesus says, I'll do. Wherever he says to go, I'll go. Whoever he says to love, I'll love them. Regardless of whether or not they've done wrong, Am I able to be appropriately sacrificial in my love to them? Appropriately sacrificial. Or do I use their wrong against me to justify lovelessness toward them? I'm so glad that Jesus didn't use my wrong against him to be loveless toward me. And that's who we're trying to be like, right? That's who I'm trying to be like. I, I, I believe that's who you're trying to be like as well. That we are trying to be like our Savior, and therefore our love for others has to flow from a, awareness of his love for us, how he demonstrated that. So love is important, but loving people can be difficult. And to highlight this difficulty, I'm going to bring in a, a, another passage that I think just in talking with people and just with my own experience that, um, that I think we need to remember. We need to remember our starting point as human beings. Starting point, uh, starting point being John 3.19. Through 21, which says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their, their deeds were evil. So I'm just going to pause right there to say the starting point of people, the starting point of people. Look at Adam when he hides, when he hears the Lord comes. Look at us when we sin and we don't want to go to the Lord. Uh, we, don't want to, we, we don't even want to appropriate John, 1 John 1, 1, 9, that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes people don't even want to do that because they feel a sense of condemnation or they feel like they don't measure up and they feel like God is going to reject them. But God, according to his word, if you look at 1 John 1, 19, he doesn't reject us when we sin. He calls us to come to him so that we can be cleansed from our sin. But because we do not like the light. 20, verse 20 says, for everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it. Why? So that his deeds may not be exposed. We don't like the exposure. We don't like the, the spotlight. If you ever seen the Lord of the Rings and, 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 you, and you've seen the, uh, the little eye at Mordor 
And it's like when that eye like focuses in on something, uh, like when, when Frodo had the ring and if he put it on and he would be invisible and then like they would just see him where, where he was and then they would like come to him. Sometimes when the light of God's word shines on an area, we, 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 we don't like it. We want to escape it. We don't want to be reminded of it. So, so we, not you, not just we, get uncomfortable because we see that we're, we're being measured in the scales and we're found lacking. We're found, we, 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 are, we are lacking as it relates to God. But his word is supposed to. It's supposed to cut. It's supposed to show. It's supposed to reveal. But my friends, we do not like when the word reveals things about us that maybe we were oblivious to. And within this series on love, I myself have, have been in situations where I've been like, man, I'm not as loving as I thought I was. What does that mean about me? Now, I didn't think like that meant I wasn't a Christian or anything, but it was just even the, 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 the revelation of how much more I needed to love was something that was uncomfortable for me. And during this season, it may have been something that's uncomfortable for you. And that's fine. Because look at what verse 21 says. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. So whatever growth we have is growth that, that God is accomplishing within us. Right. So so that's what this this passage is saying. So so we come to the light. We we counter to what comes natural to us. We want we should want, even if we have to grow in making this a reality, we should want God to expose the things in us that are not like him, despite the many things that may, may be going on in our lives that. Give testimony to him. See, the, the church at Ephesus, it says God knew their works. They had some labor that he knew about. They endured some things. They didn't tolerate people who were evil. They weren't playing with sin in that church. That wasn't what they were doing. They, they had some moments that they needed to persevere through, and they endured those hardships, not for their own name, but for the name, for the sake of the Lord's name. And they had stamina. The end of verse 3 says, they did not grow weary. So all of these things were at work in their life. They were there. They were qualities and characteristics that they possessed. But yet, their love was lacking. I don't know about you, but I, I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the, 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 the dashboard in the car. And man, everything can be going good. But then when you see that check engine light come on, all kinds, all kinds of discomfort come. What's that? What's what's and and, and 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 that kind of thing, that kind of that kind of response can be the exact way we feel when that illumination from the Lord comes and shows us something. Because if we have all of these things going on for us, like the like the church in Ephesus did, then we can feel like we're good. But then when that check engine light comes on. It's like, oh, man, 
how much is that going to cost? What's wrong? You know, it, it's, it's, it can be that same type of feeling, but I want to encourage us because even though love can be difficult, the call to love can be difficult. I mean, it can be difficult because of our starting point and God illuminating things, but, but it can be difficult also because when, when God illuminates it, then, then it's like everything, it's almost like everything that, uh, that is unloving, you just see it in, 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 in neon lights, everything that happens, right? You just see it. So if somebody, if you just have a, if somebody steps on your shoe or something, which is not a problem for me nowadays, hasn't been for decades, but, 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 but at one point in time it was. Or if somebody says, excuse me, but doesn't wait for you to move, that's, that's something I'll probably get, not, I wouldn't probably enjoy that. I wouldn't like that. Um, th- there's, a way to res- there's a way I could respond to that, and there's a way I should respond to that. So for me, even though that hasn't happened, I'll use a, a, a real-life example. It just happened a couple, couple days ago. We know that traffic is one of those sanctifying uh, contexts that sounds like most people um, benefit from. <laughs> so someone was, uh, we, I was on BW Parkway, and I saw someone driving at a rate of speed that was just, it just didn't make sense to me. Especially in light of what was in front of me and what was in front of the, which was in front of them. So they came, they did all that thing, then they start bobbing and weaving out of traffic. Get off on 190, 198, and this person continues to drive like that. And then they literally cut me off. So then the first thing, my first response was to blow, but it was to blow out of anger. So in order to help myself, because that, 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 that driving in traffic and being loveless toward people who offend me, that, 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 that was there. And so when I blew, I, I blew like, and then I, then I just remembered that I'm supposed to be loving. Because at first, my first impression was like, you. So it was, it was, that, it was like Soldier Boy, you. But then I'm like, well, that's not of the Lord. So I chose to, after hitting that bump, I just made it the bump, 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 bump. Now, that was just my way of repenting from the lovelessness that was in my heart at the time toward this person who there was no accident, there was no injury, but I still wanted to express like, hey, I don't don't like what you did. But why would that even be something that I'd be talking about now? Because God has shown the light on just the, not only the lovelessness, but other things that may be related to that going on in my life. Um, and I hope he's doing the same for you. So it's, 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 it can be difficult being loving. As a matter of fact, the name of this, the, the title of this sermon is It Ain't Easy Being Loving. I mean, there's just so many, so many opportunities for lovelessness that can uh, express itself in all kinds of ways, um, at least in my life. So this is what we need to encourage ourselves with when the Lord shines the light, when that eye of God's sanctifying intention comes and shows us whatever. Right now we're talking about love, but whenever this happens anywhere, we need to remember John 15 verses 1 and 2. 
which Jesus says this. He says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. We have discomfort when the Lord brings his eye of, of, of sanctifying intention on us, but we should be, we should be along with the, with the, with the dis-ease or the, or the discomfort of that situation. We should remember the intent of God, and his intent is that every branch that produces fruit will produce more, and he does it by pruning. And some of that pruning looks like the attention of things that we didn't, recognize we're there in the first place and that we don't want to deal with because it's like the check engine light coming on. That's how it feels. But the Lord is not like a mechanic. He's, He's not trying to take advantage of you. He's not trying to gouge us he's trying to make us more like his son that doesn't always feel good that doesn't always feel like a hallelujah moment but his ultimate goal for us is that we will produce more fruit And we live in a situation, we are in the midst of a situation in which, as it relates to love, we have much opportunity to be loving even to people that we don't even know. A little more specificity on that as we talk about how to repent to love. So love is important. We've already seen that over the course of this series. Love can be difficult. One, because we didn't realize the need to love was there. I doubt that the church in Ephesus realized that they were being unloving. I don't, I don't get the impression that this church was like, you know what? We're just going to be unloving right now. We don't care. You know, that, I mean, they may have said we don't care about some things, but they may have been able to, 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 to cloak that in righteousness, right? So we need to make sure that, that we do, this, that we beware of that. It's so possible to cloak righteousness in lovelessness. I'm sorry, I'm going to say that again. It is so easy and common to cloak righteousness in unlovingness. We understand that we must speak the truth, but the Lord does not just call us to speak the truth. He doesn't not call us to speak the truth, but he calls us to speak the truth in love. There's something about humanity that, that we just, we want, we like, we, we seem to like 
not appreciate and even deal well with nuance. So we would we we naturally either speak the truth sometimes and it's harsh and abrasive and it's like the letter of the law apart from the spirit or we're so loving that it's like we don't know the truth. Like we haven't even heard the truth. God doesn't say don't be loving. He doesn't say don't be truthful. He tells us in Ephesians 4 that that we're supposed to speak the truth in love. So wherever a communication would come from our mouths as the people of God, our mouths are are, are whatever, whenever someone would get an idea from us. The question is, And in a reasonable way, because you can take these two extremes, but work with me. You know, I'm, I'm, you, you know me. So, but the question is, am I being loving? Does love, is love communicated? Now, obviously, there are situations in which you can be as loving as you want to be. But if the truth is there, people are not going to receive it as love. I understand that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when necessary, because sometimes you don't even always have to qualify yourself depending on who the person is, right? So when necessary, are there the are there the 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 parameters and the boundaries and the and the is there a framework that communicates love as well as truth, or that communicates truth as well as love? See, what I've noticed in our current setting is that people are ride or die. And I appreciate ride or die. Growing up in Landover, I, I, I appreciate ride or die. But I'm not only from Landover now. Yeah, that's, not, that's, that, that's where I came from, but that's not where I am right now. Not just physically, but mentally, that's not where I am. I'm a citizen of somewhere else right now, right? So, so instead of being ride or die, I... I I'll ride with you if, if, if it seems like your, 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 your framework is biblical. But I, I, I ain't dying for you if it's unbiblical. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what color you are. It does, it does, it doesn't, those things don't matter because what matters is, is this, that your point of view, is it biblical? So I'm not going to ride or die with anyone but the people of God. Why am I saying this? Well, I'm saying this because of what I'm, I'm, I'm just going to reiterate something. The Lord knew their works. He knew their labor, their endurance. He knew that they couldn't tolerate evil people. He knew that they tested those who called themselves apostles and were not and found them to be liars. He knew, verse 3 of Revelation 2, that they had persevered and that they had endured hardship for his name's sake and that they had not grown weary. 
but he still has something against them. He still has something against them. Therefore, he called them and us wherever it applies. Verse 5, to remember how far we have fallen and to do the works we did at first. Otherwise, there will be consequences. See, the call to love is an urgent call. It's not a haphazard call by the Lord. It's an urgent call. None of us would be on this stream right now. The few people who are here, they wouldn't be here if it weren't for the love of God. I wouldn't be standing here saying anything if it weren't for the love of God. As a matter of fact, there's not a lot of things uh, that, 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 that people know about God, but one thing they know even if, they haven't, uh, if they, even if they're not a believer is they know that somewhere it says that God is love. And so love cannot be overstated. So he tells them to repent. He tells us to repent where we see a lack of love in our heart because it's important. And even if it's difficult, if we do not do it, there will be consequences from the Lord. Therefore, we need to repent if we find lovelessness in our hearts or in our actions toward people. So how do we repent? How do we repent? As I mentioned, uh, yesterday was, was my birthday, um, and I was out when President-elect Biden made his, his speech. I got the opportunity to listen to like a, like a I'm talking about a very small portion of it. But one thing that I appreciated about what I was hearing, and I've appreciated for a couple weeks now, I think, um, was I appreciated hearing him reiterate that even though he was elected by you know, 74 million people, that he was going to be president for all Americans. That should be a given, right? But, it, but obviously it, it needed to be stated. The reason why that should be a given is because regardless of what political party you affiliate yourself with, regardless of what ideology you hold, at the end of the day, if you are a citizen of the United States of America, you are an American. And so even though there are different ways of approaching uh, 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 politics and different ways of, of approaching policy or in a different political values, both parties are supposed to have the objective of doing what they think is best for the United States of America. So as Americans, they're supposed to represent the United States of America. It, was, it is key to me that he say this because 74 million people voted for him 
but 70 million people voted for President Trump. And the manner in which we've engaged each other hasn't been one of love. It's been one of vitriol. It's been one of contempt. It's been one of, 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 of just of even self-righteousness on both sides. And so it is critical that whoever leads the country, if, if that person wants to be a healer of the country, they're going to have to unite the country because the country is divided. And anyone who's a citizen should be for the unity of our country. Now, there are arguments to be made that, that, that you know, I understand that there's more that could be said, but I don't have time to say more that could be said. My point here is that as an American, we should want to be united and not divided. Now, there are things that divide us. So I'm not saying that there isn't. I'm just saying that overall, when it's all said and done, I don't think our foreign enemies care whether you are Republican or Democrat, care whether you're conservative or liberal. They, 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 they don't care. What was President-elect Biden doing? when he makes a statement like that. He's reminding all Americans that we are Americans. I believe he started the, started his speech off by saying, my fellow Americans. Right? He's trying to remind everybody that you are, we are Americans. The first step to repentance that's going to produce fruit in keeping with it is to Remember. So he says in verse 5, after saying what he has against them, after telling them where they are, it's like, okay, here's where you are, and here's how you get from where you are to where you need to be. The first thing you need to do is you need to remember. You need to remember, he says, how far you have fallen, and then you can repent, and then you can do the first works, the works you did at first. Then you can do it only after you've remembered. See, first Peter, I'm just not first Peter, second Peter, you don't second Peter one nine. After talking about all of the, the virtues you add to yourself so that you can be strong in the Lord. And after after being told that, you know what, God has given us the ability to participate in the divine nature. He lets us know that if we do not add these things in, in verse 9, he says the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. We need to remember who we are. We need to remember that God has said that it is through his church that he is making his wisdom known not only on this earth, but to all principalities and Christian, believer, friend, brother, sister, like you, you're in the church. So if our response to either getting what we want or not getting what we wanted is the same as the world's, 
We're forgetting that our identity is not as an American, but it is as a believer of Jesus Christ. That can be easy to forget. But the Lord says, remember. The Lord says, bring it to mind. The Lord says, reflect. We have to remember not only from where we've fallen, because remembering where we've fallen definitely means like remembering who we are. Because the only reason there was some place to fall from was because the Lord, uh, the Lord has seated us in heavenly places. So we need to we need to remember who we are. We, we need to remember that it's through the church that God is making his wisdom known. We need to remember that it's through it's the church it's God's people who are going to hallow his name. That's not something that he tells the world. Hey, make my name holy. He's, they can't do that. And increasingly, people not even trying to do that. God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven, it happens primarily through the church. There are other things that God has like in play other than the church. He, he's the one who puts up kings, presidents, all, that, all the leaders. He does that. But it's through the church that on a daily basis, his will should be being done on this earth as it is in heaven. But is it? Is the church doing this? Are we doing this? Are we Are we soldiers, 2 Timothy 2, 3, 4? Are we soldiers who have put ourselves into civilian affairs to the degree that we cannot see that we're soldiers or other people can't see that we're soldiers? Of heaven. We need to remember who we are. We need to remember who we are. That's the first thing we need to do. And then I think after remembering who we are, then we are positioned to begin to make change. We're positioned to begin to make change. Not, not in other people, but, but in our own lives. So there, I've been trying to grow in prayer for like the last few years. And there have been some, some steps made, but it's still not where I want it to be. So one of the things that, that I've noticed is that, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things that I um, noticed is that structure helps me with prayer more than haphazardness. And it seems from talking to many people that we are more com most comfortable with haphazardness, that we confuse 
structure sometimes with legalism. That to create a plan or to write something out is not how things should work. We want, as Pastor Kurt has defined, we want the holy zap and we just want to be like prayer warriors forever. Well, that could work for some people, but it's not what worked for me. So I, what I did was I took, I made observations of people who pray a lot. And I incorporated what they do into what I'm doing. So instead of saying, you know what, I'm about to get down here and I'm going to pray for an hour. I will pray at different times of the day for different categories of my life. For, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes. What I found when I do that is that that does position me to have times of prayer that exceed whatever time frame I designate, which has been a blessing. The point is that the structure has helped me to be and do what I wanted to do, what I thought God was calling me to do. No, I didn't pray down something on me and say, Lord, uh, just change me and make me a prayer. That, that, that's not what I, what I did. That's not what worked for me. But what worked was putting together a plan that moved me in a direction where the structure freed me to become what I intend to be. So after asking the question, which is this is one question in terms of the, the, the repent to love, um, the structure that needs to be in place. These are some things that you can have in mind and, 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 and execute. First, the question is, who are you? So why did I want to pray more? Why did I think my prayer time wasn't sufficient to what God has given me to do? Well, first of all, I'm one of his children. That's the first thing. Second, I have children myself. I have grandchildren. I have all kinds of other responses. I have my, my mom and other things that, that just need prayer. And not just like Lord bless the situation type prayer because that, that part's not hard. But prayer that's very focused and not just drive-by prayer. And I'm a pastor. So then there's other people who I'm, in a sense, trying to cover with my prayers as well. So that's who I am. But that doesn't answer the question, who are you? You need to ask, answer that question, who are you, as it relates specifically to love. Because that's what we're doing. That's what this series is about. It ain't easy being loving. So first, I need to remember who I am. I need to remember my call to love. I need to remember how important it is to love, how urgent it is to love, and the consequences of not loving according to the passage that we're focused in on today. So who am I? And then, based on who I am, child of God, husband, father, son, pastor, friend. The next question is, do my actions align with who I am? So if I cannot be a believer, first John, if John says, you know what, obviously I'm paraphrasing, but 
Man, if you don't love, you can't, you, you, you're not a believer. If he says that, then I have to look at my actions. And as we've already stated in the different sermon, we use scripture to evaluate us spiritually, not culture. It's the wrong church. Use scripture, not culture, to evaluate where we are in the Lord, where, how our actions align with who we're called to be. So to you, it may not be unloving to just blow at the man, but for me, because I knew what the blowing was an expression of, I had to like kind of sanctify it a little bit and ask the Lord to please forgive me. And Lord, thank you for even helping me to recognize that. That you may not be there, that's fine. I'm not telling you to be like me. I'm asking, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to encourage us to be like the Lord, right? So who are you? Do your actions align with who you are? And if your actions do not align, don't be like the passage in John where it says that, 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 that we don't, we, don't we, we love darkness rather than light. No, let us go to the light so that God can accomplish work in our lives to make us more like him. So the question becomes in light of what God wants to do. And remember this, remember that God disciplines those he loves. So even though it's unpleasant, that doesn't mean that God is not doing work. Do not confuse your feelings with God's intention. Our feelings do not always align with God's intention. And, 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 and the more we, we, we embrace that, the, I think the better off we'll be. So after I've, I've, I've saw that, you know, some of my actions don't align with the love that God calls me to, then it's like, okay, so what about my actions need to change to align my actions with my identity? What about my actions need to change? And it's going to look different for all of us, right? Because we all have different things that, that feed our background. We have different ways in which we, we've sown to lovelessness or expressions of, 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 of hostility or whatever. You know, we all have that. And maybe your, maybe your lovelessness doesn't even look hostile, but you know it's not right. You're still called to be loving, you and God know whether or not you're loving. When we, are view, when we are evaluating our actions by his word, if we're not using the word to evaluate, then you may not know. But use the word. Like to this point, we have 1 Corinthians uh, 13. We have Colossians 3 that we've looked at. Use those passages and you add other passages. Like we can't, we, that you can't do, your pastors cannot do everything for you. Uh, in the biblical counseling class, my wife was sharing with me that they, uh, in, in, in they, they read something where the, the author of a book that they're going through says the, um, the counselor, the person who's counseling, cannot work harder than the counselee. In other words, the person who needs the help has to recognize that they need the help and be willing to work hard to get the help in order for them to receive help. 
If they're not willing to work, the counselor can be, not that Dr. Phil is the greatest counselor in the world, but he's probably one of the well, most well-known. So we can, he could be Dr. Phil, he could be whoever. He ain't going to be able to help you or me if he's doing more work to help me or you than we're willing to put in to be helped. So we have to be able to be ruthless and say, you know what? This needs to change about me to align my actions with my identity when it comes to love. And knowledge of that can be helpful, but I believe we have to do more than have knowledge with it. Knowledge of, you know, what needs to change. The next question is, how do I implement these changes? How am I going to do it? So when it came to prayer for me, my original plan is not the plan that I walk out, but the original plan had like seven different time slots for me to pray in, in, a, in, in time frames. Like I said, I haven't been successful to do that, but I have been growing because I've done some version of that. But I needed to write down how I am going to grow in prayer. And then for me, as it relates to that plan, then I had to add scripture that I was going to pray through to help me to pray in the direction that I should be praying in. So what passages do you need to be aware of as it relates to love to help you to align your actions with your identity and to implement those actions that you intend to align with your identity into your life. So I would say after you've answered those questions, don't just leave the answers in your mind. Put those answers somewhere. Write it on a piece of paper. Put it in your notes on your technological device. Write it down. Review it, especially in the beginning. Review it often so that you can evaluate where you are and then simply repeat all of that. The, who am I? Do my actions align with who I am? What changes do I, what, what, what needs to change about my actions to align them with my identity in Christ? And then have a plan for how I'm going to implement that change. Writing it down, reviewing it regularly. I would say for, uh, for things that are like really ingrained, man, you probably need to do that every day if you're trying to change. In the beginning, you may not have to do that forever, but in the beginning, you definitely will need to do that and evaluate. And then you just repeat because the stakes are too high. The stakes are too high because of what Jesus said to the church at Ephesus. All of those great qualities, all of those things that would look like to me, to you, to human beings. Like, man, those are some Christ followers right there. But they weren't. Completely. The Lord was with them because he told them. The Lord is with us because he shows us and he tells us. He tells us to remember. 
He tells us to repent. So I would say remember who we are in Christ. Remember the call to love. Remember our Lord's example. And craft out a plan. A plan that helps us to be loving. Loving, appropriately loving to all people as much as it relates to us. I love that passage where it talks about being at peace with everyone. But the caveat is as much as it relies on you. We're God's people. We're called to love. It ain't easy being loving all the time. But because being loving is important, because it's so important to the Lord, that it needs to be important to us. Let's use the two last two sermons we've heard to parse out, you know, use those as, as, as a grid to parse out how we're not loving And then let's use these questions, the who are you, the do my actions align with my identity, Um, what needs to change about my actions to align where my actions do not, and then having a real plan to implement the changes and the actions that are needed. And then don't think that writing them down is legalism. No. Man, you go, you you know, a lot of y'all go to the gym. You're not not saying that's legalistic. You're not, so you're not just praying for the Lord to just um, help you magically, you know, lose weight or tone things up. No, you're going to the gym. You're, you're, you're crafting your diet so that your body can be a certain way. So let's not over-spiritualize the things that the Lord calls us to in terms of growth in him. Let's, let's roll up our sleeves to the degree that we need to work out our salvation, and, and let's do that. Because he gives us the power to do it by his grace. I believe that and I pray that for myself and for us all. So please join me as I pray right now. Lord, I ask you that you would please use what was said to help there to be growth in the area of love for us in terms of, you know, specifically in terms of crafting a plan to be loving, Lord, because it's difficult. It's not easy, but it's important to you. And so if you, if you saw, if you said that lovelessness, you didn't say it exactly like this, so I'm not quoting you verbatim, but basically you were saying that lovelessness is a, is a, is a, it, it breaks, it breaks, it's, it's, it breaks the deal. It's a deal breaker. If we're not loving, this church's lampstand was going to be removed. Obviously, we are not the church, but we want to have ears. We're not the church in terms of we're not Ephesus, but we do have ears to hear what your spirit says to the church. Help us to remember this, Lord, that to in order to be loving, you said this at the end of this uh, passage, that we have to conquer. So it's going to be a battle. Conquering isn't something you have to do for a gift. A gift is just given. 
but it, but to conquer, you conquer things that you need to exert some effort to do. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to do the work you call us to do because you work in us the willing to do of your good pleasure. Thank you for how your spirit works. Thank you for sanctification, which is becoming more like you. Thank you that we get to participate in that. We're not just passive, but we get to participate. Lord, help us to participate. Help us to keep ourselves in the love of Christ. In Jesus' name, I pray and I thank you. Amen. Amen. Um, so, <clears throat> are there any questions? Okay. Yes, we do have a few questions that have come in. Remember that you can text your questions for the sermon to 240-623-8076. Uh, one of the first questions we have is, how do you love family members? who shame and criticize you when they are convinced that they do this out of love. <laughs> so it was, how do you love family members who criticize you and they're convinced they do it out of love? So I would imagine that the person who sent that question obviously doesn't think that it's, that it's out of love. You know, they, um, but to help myself, uh, I would first try to hear if there's any truth in what they're saying, any at all, or anything that can be taken as a misunderstood truth. So maybe it's not like a, you know, like a, maybe they're misinterpreting something. So we start with humility first. So that's uh, Colossians 3, right? Um, so uh, so we're, we're putting on humility and then I think, um, I don't know if this person who's coming to you is a believer or not, but whether they are or aren't, I would pray for that person because it's, it's, it's very difficult to, to just be uh, hostile and have animosity towards people that we're praying for. Um, so I would say, please be praying for that person. And then you know, I would, I would I would, Galatians 6, 1 and 2 just are always just um, a gold mine to me when it comes to, you know, to dealing with other people, um, especially people who uh, think they're doing something, well, yeah, who think they're doing something helpful. So this is, this is, so this is what it says, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wronging, wrongdoing, excuse me, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. So for a person who is, is, is coming at me, <laughs> um, I think the last part of that verse is something that it, your felt experience is that they are um, coming at you in a way that doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So if that's true about them, after you've humbly considered, like, man, is there any truth to what they're saying? Okay, is it a misunderstood truth that I need to clarify, uh, misinterpretation of the truth that I need to clarify? Um, and if it's none of that, and it just seems like this person just is just, they just kind of have it out for you or whatever, 
um, then I would pray for them because their day is coming when someone is going to, you know, treat them in, in the same way. And they're not watching out for themselves, that last part of the verse, so that, uh, so that you also won't be tempted. That's how you can, you, you can be, God's word is God's word. So the impression I get is that if you treat people like that, if I'm treating people like, hey, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to ride Jasmine's back. That's every, everything I see, I'm just going to like tell her this and that. Like I'm her supervisor, I'm this, something. Then I would feel that I could almost guarantee that Kurt should be on my back or that some of y'all should be on my back. And I don't think that's anything. We, if we don't like that experience, then we should pray that the Lord would deliver this person from their actions because they need to be delivered. So it's, and, and this is one thing that I've said uh, um, to people close to me, um, some family members in particular. I think if the person's wrong, then they're, uh, was it, was it criticized? What, what, what word did they use? Two words, they use two words. Shame and criticize. Okay, so they're shaming and criticizing you. That's, that, 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 if that's sinful. If they're a believer, you have to pray for them because, because you have to remember, even though you're the, you're the recipient of what they're doing, they're also sinning against God in the process of sinning against you. And so a way you can pray for them, you know, is first for your own heart, then that God would have mercy on them and help them. And um, then I don't know if this is a relationship where there's a, where there's a you know, equity where you can speak back into their life. If it's not, then all you can do is pray and just say little stuff here and there. Um, but if it is a relationship where you can speak freely and it be received, um, and even if it's not received, I mean, you, you can speak the truth and love to people um, anyway, regardless, right? Uh, you just have to watch your own tone. You have to not be like them. But, but you should say something to them as well. But make sure you've worked on yourself first so that you're not embracing the spirit that they have coming toward them but you've embraced God's spirit so that he can control your tongue and your temperament and your heart so that you can speak the truth in love. But I think that only happens when you pray and that you have some kind of pity that, you know what, I could be like that. I'm not like that. And that person, like that, that can't be a good way to live. And so in some way they're bound by that. And so that, that's, that, those are things that kind of help me in praying for people that, um, you know, it's not exactly the same uh, situation, but it kind of helps me to, 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 to process people and to be able to interact with them out of love rather than out of vengeance or wrath because I'm just tired of you, you know, shaming me and I'm tired of you criticizing me because who doesn't get tired of that? But we need to remember that our Lord endured much more for us and that for his sake, we can engage with these people in a supernatural way because it takes supernatural power to be able to engage with people like that in a loving way. But the Lord will give us grace to do what we have to do. Would you please elaborate on 
being be as loving as much as it relies on us. Sure. <clears throat> sure, I use the the example of um I mean mo most people have seen um the or, or know the concept, even if you haven't seen the show Intervention. Um, you know, in those situations where people have to intervene in the uh, lifestyle of other people, lots of times the person who's being intervened on does not see that as a loving action on the part of those who are, are trying to get them to become clean. Uh, so we have to think, think, think about, you know, that for people. You know, that, you know what, people may not want to hear what we have to say. They may not, like, like the situation we were just talking about, the person who's, who's shaming and criticizing the other person may not want to hear what the person who submitted the question said. But if the person who submitted the question is going to that person in hopes to win that person, in hopes to, to help that person, They've done their job. The other person, though, the person who's shaming and criticizing, if they don't respond to what the person who submitted the question said, that's not the fault of the person who submitted the question. So the person who submitted the question, if they're praying for this person and if they're going and they, and they, they speak, um, you know, it's hard to speak perfectly. So if they speak, you know, speak well, um, I think they've done their part. So that, that, that's what relies on them. The way the, the person who's shaming and criticizing receives it, that ball is in their court. So we can't control the outcome. We can control how we interact with the situation. So we interact with the situation according to God's word. And then if people still don't want that, like we can't control that. So the part that, that, that lies with us is that we do what we need to do so that we don't have any animus in our heart so that we can go and interact with people out of love and then however they interpret that is how they interpret it. Like babies. Babies are, I love babies. But I, I've used this example years ago, so if you've been here for a while, you heard this example. But ba we, we use those little caps over, over outlets because we know for some reason children are going to want to put something in the outlet. We know that it's dangerous. They don't know that it's dangerous. So, they're going to go. And in my day and age, I don't think they had, when, when my kids were growing up, I don't know if they had those little ball plug things, those uh, uh, outlet covers, but they still had to stay away from the outlet. So, sometimes my children will receive, like, slight discipline if they went to the outlet and they tried to put something in it. And you know what? Despite that, one of my kids in this very church messed with the outlet, and it and there was a pop sound, and you heard the crying, and they just didn't listen. But they they learned that day, and thank God that that child is still here, um, even though they're grown now. But my part is to try to help them not to get to the outlet. But their mind is like, that's fun. That's going to be fun. They don't know the consequences. As much as it lies with me is me doing my part in the situation, but I cannot control the outcome when it, you know, when it includes another adult.
Thank you. This person says, grateful for this message. As believers, how should we process being overwhelmed or reminded of all of our sins and patterns in certain areas we have? Is it sinful to keep thinking of or being sad over the sin we've committed? Or does this show we aren't operating in the freedom in Christ? Yeah, I'm... Uh Is the last part the last part you said? Is it um, was it is is it, is it not right to be sad over sin? Is it sinful to keep sinful to, okay. keep um, thinking of it and being sad over that sin that we've committed? Um, yeah, I think that's that's a good question. So you know that Paul he references how he treated the church before salvation. Um. In some of his testimony, he says it to Timothy, um, how he persecuted the church. He was aware of what his past sin was. Um, he had obviously repented of it. He had planted a few few churches by the time he's writing to Timothy, right? So, so he's he's aware of his sin, and it still is affects him some kind of way. It doesn't seem like he was overwhelmed by. Uh, he wasn't overwhelmed by the, the consequence of that. He was, and obviously that was before Christ, so this person could be talking about sins that they've committed um, since they've been in Christ. But the, the, the forgiveness, that the, 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 the price that was paid to secure our ultimate salvation, it, it, is, it is applicable to the sins that we commit, that we repent of. So if we repented of our sins, um, and we're still mindful. You can use the mindfulness of your past sins in all kinds of ways. You can use that to your benefit because we all have sins that, uh, uh, Hebrews 12, that so easily, the King James says, so easily beset us. And weights. So that's not, a weight isn't even a sin, but we have things that, that move us in a certain direction. So, uh, so, so using the messages of the last two weeks prior to this, like seeing how sin works, might cause us to recall like how sin works in our lives so that we different situations that we're in we can be we can come out godly and not having sinned so i think if a person is 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 sins still weigh them down um i wouldn't say that it's sinful I would say that there's, there is, if they repented of those sins, now if, they, if they're just committing those sins, that's, that's, that's a different conversation. So I'm operating under this person has repented of their sins and they've, you know, they've, 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 they've you know, worked out a plan. And if you haven't worked out a plan, whoever submitted the question, if you haven't worked out a plan, maybe you need to work out a plan. And so that's where cursed messages um, from the last two weeks would be helpful just in like parsing out uh, some of like how sin works. Um, but also, like, just, like, don't, do not think that you just pray and voila. I mean, you know, some things, yes, have been a matter of, 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 of deliverance in that way. But, but, like, we do have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We have to work it out. So having said that about if there's, um, if there's sin to work through. But if a person has repented of their sins... The blood, of, the, the blood of Jesus Christ applies to those sins. 
and, and, and those sins are not something you need to keep repenting of. They're not sins that you, you, you want to be mindful of them, but you don't want to be in condemnation over them. Right? You're aware you can't forget your past. That's fine, but, but you, you can use your past to celebrate where God has brought you. So like that, that's where you want to get. And if you're not in a place like that, um, and, and you've been trying for years to, to do that, you probably need to meet um, with, with one of us or some people that know you well that can really have a conversation uh, with you and help you engage in a process where you can um, not uh, sinfully be weighed down. Well, not sinfully. Where you cannot, uh, sinfully was not the right word, verbiage there. Um, where you can not experience the condemnation that God says is not supposed to be a part of the believer's life. We've been, there is now no condemnation to those of us who are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the flesh, and, um, excuse me, walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. So if we're walking after the flesh, that's one thing. So the caveat there. But if we are in Christ, we've, we've repented of our sins, we're walking by the spirit, and we're just reminded of, oh, man, this happened or that happened. Um, I did this. Oh, man, I'm just, no, you did that. And like, man, Wow, by God's grace, look at you now. And if you need to get there, like you, you're in a church that wants to help you to get there. That's good. Um, this question came through before you went through it, but can you share, again, the structure that helped you grow in prayer? Oh, uh, yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, uh, so first of all, I... I, I um, thought like why not just break things down like don't be trying to pray for an hour and a half just like break it break it down into like segments throughout the day then it's like okay well if I'm going to do that what time is that right so then I put the times then okay like what exactly am I praying for so I wrote down like okay who am I these are the things that I'm responsible for to pray for so I wrote those down and put those at those different parts of the different time frames and then I don't just want to be praying according to my, my feelings. Um, I want to pray according to the word of God. So then what passages inform my prayers for that? So all of those will be like in one thing, and it's in my Evernote. And I'll start off looking at it, but now it's gotten to the point where I don't need to look at it for some of the categories. Um, so, um, so, yeah, so I don't know if you were talking about that or if you were talking about... Um, no, that's what you were talking about. My, my framework for how I, not what I was asking other, telling people to do, right? Not the, just in case, the, the, the things I asked you to think about is like who you are, because this is what I had to put in, in place. Like, who am I? What, what am I? Do my actions align with, who, with my identity? Um, what needs to change if my actions don't align with my identity? And then, what I just described early, that was how I will implement these changes. And then I wrote them down. I review them. I evaluate. I repeat. So that's what the answer to that. All right. Thank you. Those are all the questions. This last one is just a comment. It says, 52. Wow. You look 38. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My mom's watching today. Thanks, mom. It's like, no, no. Thank you, whoever that is. Um, I don't always feel like I'm 38. That was a while ago. No. <laughs> okay. 
But thank you very much. I'll take that. <laughs> um, before we log off, just wanted to remind you that we do have a membership class coming up on this coming Saturday from 9 to 12. So if you're not yet a member, if you're thinking about becoming a member, you can register uh, through either our website or the Church Center app. Um, and that is via Zoom. It's virtual, so you won't have to come to the church uh, to do that. Um, and um, you can take the next step in becoming a member here at Solid Rock Church. Also, I just wanted to remind you that if you are available on uh, Friday, November 20th, from 3 to about 6, that we could use your help at the next food distribution. Uh, as mentioned last week, we had the privilege of serving households that uh, totaled you know, upward of 900. Um, they weren't all 900 there, but the number of people from that were represented by those who came was over 900, and that's just a privilege to be able to help people during this season where um, many people need help in various ways. Uh, and um, with that being said, I think that, that those are all of the announcements for this week. God bless you, um, and I will send questions to you, D-group leaders, um, around this message um, so that you can uh, go through them in your groups. God bless everybody, and uh, next week we do open back up, so uh, the, the link will be uh, live what day, Jasmine? On Tuesday, all right? So, uh, oh, and it has be become more imperative that we actually uh, do uh, let the church know that you're coming because we have had instances in which we've almost had to turn people away. So we were trending in that direction. And we'll see what happens now because there is a surge um, going on. Um, but we are going to be open on the 15th. And with that being said, God bless you and have a great week in Jesus' name.